tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus. A probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I'm Jill, and I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. There are a lot of things that influence developing an addiction, and none of them are that we're weak-willed losers. In the Sober Powered Podcast, you'll learn how and why addiction develops, how alcohol changes the brain to keep us drinking, and most importantly, that you're not alone. The things you experience are experienced by many of us. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about cognitive skills. These are skills that the brain uses to understand information, remember it, and apply it. 
I'll explain how alcohol impacts our cognitive skills, which ones suffer the most, and how long these skills take to recover in sobriety. You'll learn about skills like attention, working memory, problem solving, updating our beliefs, memory, self-awareness, and emotional and social skills. So let's dig in. Last week, I talked about what you can expect when you stop drinking, and after two months of sobriety, you should expect to see some noticeable cognitive improvements. I thought I'd go into that a bit more in its own episode. So not all of us will experience cognitive issues, but it's estimated that about half of all problem drinkers have measurable cognitive impairment. And the severity depends on things like age, sex, having other medical issues, psychiatric comorbidities, family history of alcoholism, number of withdrawals and relapses, how long the person has been sober, how long they drank, and how malnourished they were while they were drinking. The main cognitive deficits that a problem drinker may experience are an executive functioning, memory, planning and strategy, emotional processing, and social skills. Problems in these areas can have a major impact on our ability to get sober. With sobriety, many of our cognitive abilities will recover, while some issues may take years or may not fully recover at all. Make sure to listen to episode 26, Does the Brain Recover?, for more information on how the brain heals with sobriety. Executive functioning is a term that includes a bunch of different cognitive processes that allow us to plan, control, monitor, and adapt our behavior in response to what's happening. According to previous studies, people who abuse alcohol have problems with attention, working memory, or like being able to keep a specific piece of information present in your mind, controlling impulses, problem solving, reasoning, multitasking, and updating our beliefs based on new information. All of these come together to impact our ability to make decisions, which is an important thing to have control over. If we're unable to think things through, control impulses, or update our beliefs based on new information, then we can't make good decisions and it's much easier to give into a trigger or cravings to drink again. It's been found that people who abuse alcohol struggle with visual conceptual and visual motor tracking skills which involve motor processing. So this would include skills like movement, dexterity, coordination, multitasking, and switching your attention from one task to another. Cognitive inhibition is another skill that problem drinkers struggle with. So this would involve filtering out useless information and keeping your thoughts focused on the current task. So this is similar to using our skill of working memory, which is something else that problem drinkers may struggle with. The ability to change our behavior, make better decisions, and consider future us all involve executive functioning skills like attention, memory, and retrieving information. Everyone can say, well, why don't you just stop drinking? Or why can't you just drink less? But our brains aren't working in a way that would allow us to just drink less. Plus, Alcohol creates a need and an obsession in us that it doesn't create in other people. So these two things together make it very hard to stop. 
What researchers have found is that where a social drinker would make better behavioral choices, people who abuse alcohol make different decisions to try to implement the same changes of drinking less or not drinking. So we're not able to utilize our brain's full cognitive power to analyze our behavior, think about it, and then make a better choice. Instead, we try to make other decisions to get to the same outcome, like trying your 459th moderation strategy, and those end up not working. Researchers have found that problem drinkers favor short-term gratification at the expense of their future and long-term consequences, which I probably didn't have to tell you, but I will anyways. So it's hypothesized that we may struggle with awareness about the future and what will happen if we make the instant gratification type of choice, and we may struggle with denial. There's a term called anosinosia, which is a condition that forms in people who have mental illness, which prevents them from recognizing that they have mental illness or from really understanding the reality of their condition. So I saw the denial that problem drinkers experience described as this term in a paper. It's also called lack of insight and is a symptom of severe mental illness and is the number one reason why people with bipolar disorder or schizophrenia refuse to take their medication or do not seek treatment at all. And that can be something very frustrating when someone is mentally ill and their medication would help them that they just won't take their medication. But since they don't believe anything is wrong with them, not seeking treatment or not taking medication that's prescribed to them makes perfect sense. And it's estimated that about 50% of people with schizophrenia and 40% of people with bipolar disorder struggle with anosinosia. This condition is also present in physical conditions like Alzheimer's and people who have suffered from a stroke. And it's believed that the part of the brain that controls self-reflection is damaged and that prevents the person from gaining insight about their condition. So we know that alcohol damages all areas of the brain. And the areas of the brain believed to be involved in self-awareness are the insula, cingulate, and prefrontal cortex. We've spoken about all three of these areas many times during this podcast, most recently in episode 56, High Functioning Alcoholics and Denial. So you know if we've talked about these areas a lot, it's because they're involved in addiction and damaged by alcohol. So if the areas responsible for self-awareness are damaged by alcohol, then it makes sense that researchers would compare the denial that someone has about their drinking problem to the anosinosia that a schizophrenic or Alzheimer's patient has about their condition. We can't see things clearly or reflect on what's actually going on. And if you listen to last week's episode about what to expect when you stop drinking, then you learn that it takes about two months of sobriety to see a big improvement in mental clarity. And I felt like I was waking up from a long sleep and that I was finally myself again. I felt like 20 year old me before I even started drinking. And it's scary to feel that the real me had disappeared for so long. But that's exactly how I feel like that person never existed. I 
remember like when I first started experiencing mental clarity, it's a big difference. Memory is really affected by alcohol abuse too, specifically perspective, autobiographical, and source memory. So prospective not to be confused with perspective, is the ability to remember and carry out intended actions in the future. So a good example of this would be intending not to drink and then not drinking. An autobiographical memory is the ability to remember the experiences and details in your life. Source memory is remembering where you learned information from. So what was your source? So who taught you how to cook a specific dish? What class you learned a specific concept in and things like that. So people who are newly sober may struggle to retrieve old memories or form new ones, and they may struggle specifically with verbal learning. So someone explaining something to you and you retain it. A couple studies found that problem drinkers overestimate their memory skills, which isn't really a surprise to me considering everything we've learned about how alcohol affects the brain. We tend to overestimate the good stuff and minimize the bad stuff. So research has found that problem drinkers struggle to accurately predict how well they will do on tasks that require recognizing information that they recently learned. There was one 2009 study that found that people who abuse alcohol struggle with self-reflection, which we talked about earlier, but not just that they struggle with self-reflection, but that they maintain an outdated concept of self. So this study also suggested that this lack of self-awareness could indicate a mild form of anosinosia. So if your memory and ability to learn new information is impaired, then it's difficult to learn about triggers and work on developing strategies to prevent relapse. So it's thought that abusing alcohol prevents us from consolidating updated information into our long-term memory. So even though we're aware of new stuff happening to us and new experiences, it doesn't make it to our long-term memory. So the hypothesis that I read is that mild mnemonic anosinosia occurs in chronic alcoholism. So mnemonic means that the lack of awareness is caused by a specific type of memory impairment, which in our case would be all the alcohol affecting our brain. And this type of condition makes it really hard to benefit from therapy or other types of educational support because we believe we already know everything or that we're fine. So I think the takeaway here is to become okay with the idea of being a lifelong learner. We never know everything and that's the exciting part. So we're dynamic and we're always growing and learning new things about ourselves. If you let yourself, if you're a know-it-all and you think that you already know everything there is to know, then you're going to miss a lot of information that's coming your way. Attention, inhibitory control, cognitive flexibility, short-term and working memory, and the ability to update information in our memory improves after the first few months of sobriety for most people. So you can look forward to that if you are newly sober. Executive functioning and decision-making skills may be slower to recover, and those skills can take months to years to recover. So problems with decision-making 
plays a big role in relapse. So our memory can take more time to recover too, specifically the part that allows us to recall and re-experience past events. So this can take a year or more to fully recover. Emotional processing and social skills also take longer to recover or learn if you didn't know them, especially the ability to decode facial expressions. So the ability to understand how someone is feeling just by looking at their face. It also seems like the more times you've detoxed, the more difficulty you may experience with your cognitive abilities when you get sober. But that is a topic for a different episode. So I'm interested in talking about kindling and number of withdrawals sometime in the future. So overall, your cognitive abilities will improve. They're slower than the amazing physical improvements that we all experience, especially in the first month. Give yourself time. Remember that you don't know everything and be gentle on yourself. If you make strange decisions or you have a lot of trouble with triggers or cravings, just know that that's really normal. And of course, I always recommend therapy. And if you want extra help from me, I have a course that is coming out in a few days called Take Your Power Back that is all about emotional sobriety. So you can go to soberpower.com slash course to learn more information. And if you get on the wait list, you will get an extra discount code that won't be available to the general public. So soberpower.com slash course. And I will talk to you next week. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.